Hey guys. <laughs> hey. What's up, Lo? Um, some fun stuff. Oh yeah? Tell me about it. So we are featured in a Michigan magazine. Heck yeah. We are in Voyage Michigan magazine. Out now. Go check it out. Yes, it's at voyagemichigan.com. And it just talks about the podcast and has pictures of us. But who cares? We're in a magazine. Right? Exactly. Who cares about anything else? So go check out our freaking uh, magazine debut. Yeah. And we also are getting more followers. So hello to everybody following if you don't follow guys hit that follow button join the clan join the creepy clan (laughs) our downloads went up a little bit this month too as well so i'm feeling all good things all good things yes thank you guys so much for supporting listening sharing telling people about it anything we appreciate it all and as always mccollum is killing it it's the top number one city of downloads man my people just come and represent (laughs) um but taylor got knocked off the board and we picked up san jose california Ooh, california made it on the list what's up what's up cali peeps yeah welcome to the oc bitches (laughs) not same city not same city i know (laughs) yeah different area but still (laughs) I just really like the show and I wanted to say it. (laughs) It's acceptable. (laughs) So what are we drinking tonight, Kay? Tonight, we are drinking some, I love the name of it, um, some Sweet Tropical Blend Wine by Low Hanging Fruit. It's got a... Does your wine hang low? Does Wobble to and throw. (laughs) Can you tie it in a knot? Can you... I don't remember the rest. I'm not, that's... That's some old wine if you can tie it in that. <laughs> my wine of- don't fold. It wiggle wiggles. <laughs> yeah. Oh my God. Us and our TikTok references. We were just talking about how we are obsessed with TikToks. And I'm sure most of you are too, because I feel like I think I read somewhere it is the most used app currently, or it's on like the top three or something like that. Uh, which is bad but fun right yeah (laughs) right I'm like do I like it or hate it (laughs) also I remembering this time hello Dax Shepard (laughs) and the armchair group over there (laughs) hey how at your girls yeah we're in a magazine now so if you could just like you know, we're on the same level. <laughs> so, Your hometown magazine. Right. That's even more special. You gotta you gotta collab with us now. Hit us up something. Right, right. And I gave him a shout out in the magazine. Literally, how could he not? How could he 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 has to he has to repay us now? We'll mail him a copy. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Wherever he is. <laughs> In his RV. <laughs> um, today, guys, Lo is taking the reins, and she is going to uh, take us on a journey with a story that she found. So I'm excited to 
listen, um, kind of be along with the audience for the story. Yes, this is, um, speaking of hometown, this is a Michigan story, and it is right outside of the Grand Rapids area, not too far. So, unless there's anything else, we shall get into the story. Yes. I don't know why I said it like that. Take us on the journey. (laughs) Take us on the horror journey. My voice just gave up. It's like, I'm done. (laughs) Keep going, voice. We haven't started the story yet. <laughs> so this story is, what's a sadder one? Um, trigger warnings is murder, sexual abuse, kidnapping, all the things. But mm-hmm. it's not too, it's not too graphic and too terrible. It's just a sad story. So this story is about Rachel Timmerman. So Rachel Timmerman, she was from Cedar Springs, Michigan. She was just 17 years old when she gave birth to her baby girl, Shannon. Now, like Rachel, she was a single mom, but she had also came from a broken family as well. So she knew all too familiar what it was like to go from house to house and not have your whole family under one roof. As much as she wasn't proud of the fact um, She did hold a job at McDonald's to support her and her baby. Her sister, who is three years younger, Sarah White, says that Rachel was fun. She was a great sister. She wasn't rebellious, but she did like to go out and have fun. She loved being around people. She was just full of life. Now, her dad claims that Rachel was smart, loving, sweet, had a good future ahead of her. She loved boys. She loved talking on the phone with them. She loved going on dates with them. So overall, it sounds like she was just your typical teenage girl who was just experiencing life at, you know, the fullest that you can at 17. Yeah, all the normal things. Even though Rachel unexpectedly got pregnant, she was thrilled. Her sister stated that she was even excited, oddly happy about being a teen mom, but she thrived on it. The baby's father, not so much, but um, he was still in the picture. They decided, though, that they were just going to be friends. On the night of August 7th, 1996, Rachel, who was then 18, she was hanging out with a few family friends at a trailer park playing cards with Wayne Davis and Marvin Gabrion. Now, at some point, they decided to do a beer run. I mean, what's poker without beer and chips, you know? Exactly. (laughs) They all, you know, hopped in the car, decided they were just going to go down to the local liquor store, grab a case of beer, and then come back. Well, after a few minutes of driving... Marvin pulled over and ordered Wayne to get out of the car. Now, here's where a little confusion lied for me, because in some articles, it said that there was two men. They ordered both men out of the car, but I never found another name of the other gentleman. And I only seen on some articles where it said two. So I'm not 100% sure if it was two men or just Marvin and Wayne. 
Okay, gotcha. So, but I'm going to just go with, you know, there's two gentlemen. They kicked him out of the car. Uh, he then pulled over and proceeded to violently bee and rape Rachel. Now, it had been at this point, she had only gave birth only six weeks ago. Oh, wow. So she was still, you know. Brand new mom. Yeah. Recovering. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. So she went home and she was quite upset and quite frantic. But she did talk to her mom, Velda, and confessed to her that Marvin had raped her. But she was too afraid to press charges because Marvin had said that if she did, he would kill both her and her new baby. Scum. Oh, my gosh. So as you can imagine, you know, and she's only 18. So she's really freaked out. And, you know, it was just also terrible, too, because these are supposed to be friends of the family. So I don't know how well they were trusted. But in my eyes, if you hear friends of the family, I usually feel like you, you know, have some trust in them you you know them fairly well pretty well but right however the next day she reported the rape to nuevo police department after a six-month investigation on january 20th 1997 marvin was arrested and charged with the rape now wayne davis who had been scheduled to testify at the hearing also failed to show up to the hearing He had last been seen on February 12th of 1997. His girlfriend, Darlene Lazo, went to the house to investigate and found a note from Davis. And in the note, Davis said that he decided to move to California. However, Lazo looked through the house and found all of Wayne's clothes were still there. Nothing had been packed up. His army field jacket was still in the house and he never left home without it. So she's kind of like, yeah, something's not adding up here. Yeah, that's a, so, that's weird because then also like you would think he would tell his girlfriend at least, you know, that he was moving to California. Yeah. So right away she's like, something's not adding up, you know, fishy, 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 fishy. Mm-hmm. So it also should be noted that Marvin had been released from jail on bond on February 5th. So that was one week prior to Wayne's disappearance. Ooh, real so fishy, 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 okay? So let that marinate for a little bit. Yeah, soaking up. Meanwhile, Marvin tried to play that I'm sick and I'm too crazy to stand trial. Like, I'm just, I can't handle it. Like, I'm not competent enough. Mm. But see, that's what Marvin does. He plays these little bullshit lie games. He's a liar. He's a con artist. He's a manipulator. He is always looking for wiggle room. He's the type of guy that's always going to be like 10 steps ahead when it comes to mind games. He was released on bail two weeks later. And according to Rachel's family, the rape had left a horrible effect on both her physically and mentally. And she had much difficulty trusting others. Yeah, I mean, I can't even imagine, you know, thinking that you trust someone and then they do that to you. And then, you know, him getting out and like 
just saying that he's just crazy. I hate when people use that excuse, like, you know, the they plea like what what insanity or whatever. It's like it's just so annoying because I feel like most of the time that is not the case. They're just using that. Oh, for sure. So once it went to trial, he went to the criminal insane route, you know, where he tried to where I'm over here like, sir, sir, can you please sit down and shut the fuck up? Okay. (laughs) You have to be crazy while committing the crime. He was crazy, but like asshole crazy, not really mentally crazy. Right. Yeah, exactly. You can't murder somebody and then be like, oh, I'm just crazy. I'm just crazy. No, you you have to lose your lid while you're doing it. Yeah. Or before. So Rachel was having problems with her family during this time. And she sent Shannon to live with the paternal grandparents. Now, she began repairing her family relationship in May of 97. And she planned to move back into her father's home with Shannon. Um, During the summer, she did take Shannon to her father's residence during the weekend of July 3rd, 1907, in preparation for the custody change. So this is going to raise a lot of whys and whats, but I'm going to continue on. So Rachel started getting strange phone calls from a strange man, and uh, he goes by the name of John Weeks. But once a day, he started calling her and asking her to go on dates with him. Now, Rachel initially refused because she did not know him. However, he kept calling her and calling her and calling her. So eventually, Rachel was very reluctant, but she's like, fine, I will go out with you. Oh, my gosh. Oh, I hate this already. So on on June 3rd of 1997, two days before the trial, Rachel told her father that she was going on a date and she'd be home in a couple hours. She said she was going to bring baby Shannon with her because the man had asked her to. No. And why? And oh my gosh. My mouth just dropped. I I don't understand. No. And like, why would her father be like, okay, that sounds like a solid plan. I don't understand. The 90s, man. I don't know. Oh, my God. So I guess here her dad must not have questioned it, which like we just talked about, that's kind of weird to me because I'd be like, yeah, no, the baby can stay here. Yeah. So John shows up in a basic compact car, nothing fancy that sticks out. But yet again, Her dad claims the man did not come to the door. He did not introduce himself. Rachel and Shannon just got in the car and left. Dude, I would want if, first of all, if someone was phone stalking me, I would not go on a date with them. But secondly, I would like be like, no, I need to, I need everybody to know your face just in case, you know, just everybody knows your face and knows that I'm with you. Well, sadly in nineties, uh, yeah. And podcasts weren't a thing yet. That's true. But if we could go back in time. Yes. We would we would have uh had our podcast back then and warned people not to do things like this. Uh we would have made sure OJ got caught. <laughs> right. <laughs> so this was just three days before she was scheduled to testify under oath against Gabriel. 
Rachel told her stepmother that they planned to return in approximately two hours. Rachel apparently only brought Shannon's diaper bag with her as she did not plan to be away from home for an extended period of time. Sadly, what Rachel didn't know was that Meeks was just a lure to get to Marvin. Of course. Of course, Marvin. Rachel's father received a letter that was supposedly written by his daughter shortly after Shannon left the house. It stated that she planned to elope with an unidentified man and would be in contact with her family in about two weeks. Another letter arrived at her father's home two weeks afterward, which was postmarked from Little Rock, Arkansas. The final note that Rachel's dad received stated that Rachel and Shannon were doing well and would write again when they were located someplace permanent. The family members grew very concerned and suspicious as Timmerman apparently had no plans to marry anyone or travel anywhere. Before Rachel disappeared, she told many people that she was terrified of Marvin. I mean, she initially been very reluctant to accuse him of rape because she was afraid of him. After the rape, Marvin had threatened her that if she ever told the police about what happened, he would track her down and not only kill her, but he would kill her daughter as well. However, Rachel's family still convinced her to go ahead and press charges. So when Rachel could not be found, her family worried that Marvin might have killed her. However, their fears were a little relieved when they received a letter from Rachel a few days after she vanished. Now, in the letters, Rachel said that she was eloping with a man that she met recently, and she didn't reveal the man's name, but she said she'd be gone for at least a few weeks because they were getting married in Arkansas. She also confessed that she had never been raped. She made the whole thing up just for attention. The prosecutor, Crystal Roach, who had been handling Rachel's case, also received a letter from Rachel telling her to drop the charges. The judge overseeing the case also received a letter from Rachel wherein she admitted that she fabricated the rape story and told him to dismiss the charges against Marvin. The letters were stamped with a distinctive holographic stamps depicting the space station. So, I mean... She's a lawyer, so she's pretty good at putting clues together. Right. I would hope. <laughs> that I just feel like that's just too weird. Like, you know, she never talked about her seriously dating anyone or seriously seeing anyone to anybody that she met. And then the fact that she's, like, writing these letters being like, oh, yeah, the rape didn't actually happen. I made it up. Drop the charges. Send it to the attorney. Drop the charges. Like, it's like Everybody has to know that freaking Marvin has to have something to do with this, right? <laughs> well, bizarrely, everybody, including Rachel's own family, seems to have accepted these letters as genuine. What? Her family did not even report her missing because apparently they really believed that she eloped in Arkansas. Nobody was looking for her. Rachel's family later received a second letter from Rachel to where it said that she decided to stay in Arkansas permanently. However, she still would not reveal the name of the man that she married. Oh my gosh. 
I just have to say to everybody out there in the world, if anybody, like a friend, a sister, a daughter, whatever, or a son, whatever, you know, it doesn't have to just be a girl. But if they just like randomly disappear and just you get mysterious letters with like very vague details, maybe like maybe just maybe just look into it a little bit further and not just be like, oh, good for good for them. <laughs> you know what I mean? I just feel like that's so weird. Yeah. If you disappeared and I got a letter saying that you were getting married in Texas randomly, <laughs> I'd be like, the fuck you are. Hey, I would, um, let me just disclaimer now I will never do that <laughs> I'm on my way because that's not happening okay. you're like where was my wedding invite <laughs> me and Justin will be there in two and a half hours yeah exactly. Maybe three. I don't know how long it takes to fly there <laughs> whatever it takes <laughs> so Rachel Timmerman's body was discovered in Oxford Lake in Manistee National Forest on July 5th of 1997 over one month after she and Shannon were last seen, Oxford Lake is approximately 70 miles north of Grand Rapids. Timmerman's eyes and mouth had been covered with duct tape. She was placed in handcuffs and she was chained to cinder blocks. Then she was thrown into the water to where she had drowned. Rachel Timmerman was 19 years old at the time of her homicide there's no sign of Shannon at the scene, and the child has never been seen or heard from again. July 5th, 1997, two fishermen were fishing at Oxford Lake in Oakland County, Michigan. To the shock and horror, where they found the body of a woman chained to cinder blocks at the bottom of the lake. This was Rachel Timmerman. Martin Gabriel was arrested and charged with first-degree murder. An investigation was launched into Gabriel's background. Authorities discovered that he was collecting Social Security checks under the name of Robert Allen in 1997. Allen was actually a transit from Grand Rapids and had been missing for some time. Gabriel was arrested and convicted of Social Security fraud in 1998 and was sentenced to five years in federal prison. Marvin was charged with Timmerman's murder in March of 2001. The state of Michigan banned the death penalty many years ago, but authorities charged Gabriel in the federal court due to Timmerman's murder location, which occurred on government property. As a result, prosecutors were able to seek death penalty as a punishment. Authorities stated that the death penalty notice that Marvin had got it conducted and led to Shannon's disappearance. Gabriel has not been charged in the connection with the disappearance of Shannon, Davis, Weeks, or Allen, which sucks because y'all know. Yeah, like he did all of them, allegedly. But, you know, ugh, the fact that, I mean, I'm glad that they were able to, you know, seek the death penalty or whatever and that he was caught for rachel but it's like he oh the fact that he's getting away with all these other ones which he obviously had part part in well authorities dredged oxford lake in michigan in 2001 and attempt to recover the possibility that the evidence against gabriel but nothing was located 
Marvin Gabrion's trial for Timmerman's homicide began in Grand Rapids in Michigan in February of 2002. Marvin's trial began in 2002. Now, his behavior was very erratic and frequently violent. He tried to fire his attorney, saying that his attorney was a Democrat and that he wanted to be represented by a Republican. Okay. <laughs> The judge denied this request, saying that while defendants have a right to attorney, they don't have a right to demand an attorney from a particular political party. Right. Like <laughs> Marvin then said he wanted to represent himself, and the judge denied that, too. This guy's an idiot. I'm sorry, but he's an idiot. At Go least ahead. once during the trial, Marvin physically attacked his attorney in full view of the juror. Although prosecutors would later argue that this had been a deliberate stunt to try to induce a mistrial. Marvin was convicted and sentenced to death. Now, he remains on federal death row to this day. However, it is unlikely he will ever actually be executed because Michigan outlawed the death penalty in 1847. It's been some years. Yeah, so probably not. (laughs) So the body of Wayne Davis was discovered by canoeists in 2002, just a few days after Marvin had been sentenced to death for the murder of Rachel. Now, like Rachel, Wayne's body was found in a lake and weighed down the cinder blocks. So that was his way of of doing things, apparently. Cleaning house. Yeah. Authorities stated that the keys found in his residence fit the locks placed on Rachel Timmerman's body. Investigators admitted that the locks, the chains, the handcuffs, uh, they had not been checked for fingerprints. Prints were not found on duct tape, which covered her face. So, I mean, they're like, I don't know why they wouldn't check for prints. I mean, I guess maybe they assumed it being in the water. I don't know, but. Yeah, but you'd think they would still check check it. Yeah. Just check, because you never know. Marvin Gabriel was convicted of Rachel's murder in March of 2002 and sentenced to death shortly thereafter. His death sentence was overturned on the technicality in 2011. In May of 2012, Gabriel's death sentence was reinstated by a federal appeals court stating that Michigan lacks a death penalty, has nothing to do with these things, has nothing to do with Marvin's background or character. It has nothing to do with the reasons why he chose to kill Rachel. It has nothing to do with utter depravity of the manner in which he killed her. And above all, it has nothing to do with the culpability for that offense or with any other consideration the Supreme Court has ever flagged. Gabriel does not even argue the contrary. Before the trial, Rachel's father, Tim, offered to withdraw the death penalty for Gabriel if he would disclose any information about his granddaughter. Marvin refused. That's just like horrible. I mean, I I understand he was a horrible person and he did like clearly horrible things. But it's like you couldn't even give any information. You're already like you're already caught, bro. Like let this guy have something no like to know about his granddaughter. That's just annoying. Marvin has filed a 600-page brief seeking to have his conviction and sentence vacated in the US District Court. 
<laughs> Among the reasons, he said a mistrial should have been declared during the trial when he punched one of his attorneys in front of the jurors during the sentencing phase. No, that just makes you a dick. <laughs> yeah, um, what? No. Why would you get uh, anything out of that? <laughs> yeah. Oh, mistrial. He doesn't get to go to jail for murder because he punched his lawyer. Yeah. <laughs> Could you imagine? His attorneys also say that his life should be spared because Gabriel has suffered decades of mental illness. That they also said there is not enough evidence to show the killing occurred on federal land. Okay, well, the killing occurred. It doesn't matter where the fuck it was. The defense is seeking recusal of the U.S. District Judge Robert Holmes, the trial judge, after he told M. Live and the Grand Rapids Press that Gabriel held in a Terra Hot. Indiana prison is where he should be and agreed with Wood TV 8 reporter that Gabriel is evil. The filing could be moved. Holmes is retiring at the end of January. Either way, keep him locked up. Right. Michael Demeter, a U.S. former attorney of the Western District of Michigan, opposed the death penalty for Gabriel in a large part because of the expected cost to taxpayers defending Gabriel for decades. Gabriel's attorneys specialize in death penalty cases. Now, Demeter, appointed by President Bill Clinton, was in office from 93 to 2001, and when he left, prosecutors decided to seek the death penalty and he felt no sympathy for the defendant he was a despicable character he guessed that gabriel's legal fight against the death penalty was already costly and it cost about three million dollars yikes i opposed the death penalty because i thought exactly this was going to happen you'd have 20 to 25 years of spending millions of dollars to put the guy away. Demeter quotes, I think people like Mr. Gabriel should be locked away for life and let them think about it. Let him suffer in some prison time with execution. However, the suffering is done and they're not sitting there thinking about the crime. If you execute him, then it's over and he's not phased by it. Which I kind of agree with that a little bit. Right, like... They have to sit there and like, if you, you know, just, if you kill them, then they don't, they're not, yes, they're punished because their life is gone, but they don't have to think about the, the misery of what their life is in a little 10 by 10 cell. Right. You know? That is true. Like that might maybe would be the worst punishment for most people is just sitting there locked up forever thinking about it. Trying not to drop the soap. <laughs> right. Shannon has been missing for over 25 years. At the time of her disappearance, she stood 2'6 and weighed 30 pounds. She has blue eyes and blonde hair. She also has a strawberry birthmark on the back of her neck, right at the hairline. Shannon Verhedge would today, she would be 26 years old. There is some evidence that Rachel and Shannon were kept alive as hostages for at least a few days before they were killed. When police raided Marvin's home, they found diapers, baby bottles, 
and other items which suggest that Rachel and Shannon were kept alive for at least a little bit of time. The most disturbing thing they found, though, was a book um, about Colleen Stan and her abduction. Colleen Stan was kidnapped and kept in a box for seven years, which made them think that Marvin might have initially planned on keeping Rachel as a slave. When they asked him about the book, he said he was running a Christian bookstore out of his home. However, that was the only book found in the entire house. So it was a pretty sparse bookstore. Yeah, not many options. Um, and it and it was a Christian bookstore, and it was about a girl being kidnapped and kept as a slave in a box. <laughs> and there's only one copy. Yeah. Whoa, uh, okay. Okay. They also found stamps identical to the ones used on the letters, holographic stamps depicting the space station. It seems like Marvin kept her alive so she could be coerced into writing those letters. Then he killed her. They also found cinder blocks identical to the ones used to weigh down Timmerman's body and a plethora of other evidence. Shannon has never been found, but at this point, they're just presumed that she is deceased. Oh, that's so sad. If you have any information concerning Shannon Verhage, please call the Cedar Springs Department at 616-696-1330. It's 616-696-1330. Any information that could bring her home, whether it's, you know, just her deceased remains or that she is alive and living well, but just does not know what happened to her because she was so little when she was taken. Um, it, the family would just be grateful just to have some answers. Close the chapter once and for all. Yeah, honestly. I mean, I hope that she's alive somewhere and maybe literally has no idea that she is Shannon in the story, you know? Um, you, you never know. Crazier crazier things have happened so she she might be out there somewhere yeah um i got my information from facebook forget me not reddit youtube and local for michigan news oh such a sad story very sad and we'll post pictures um on our socials uh you'll be able to see a police copy of what do they call it? Like a generated picture or like um Oh, of what, what Shannon would look like what now. What she would look like today. Yeah. Okay. So, you know, hopefully maybe someone will see it and recognize her. And, you know, I mean, I know it's been 26 years and, you know, her mother is dead, but you know, if her grandpa and grandma can get some kind of you know, dad, you know, can get some kind of closure of any sorts i would feel that it's got to be better than the unknown oh yeah just i mean to have to sit with those thoughts every day not knowing what happened has to be like you know grueling and feel so heavy so to at least have some answers or some type of a clue at all I yeah I hope that they get that one day yeah it's insane I, I just 
the whole thing with me with this story is I'm not putting blame on anybody. I promise you I'm not. But I just, I really wish her dad would have been like, what are you thinking going on a blind date with the baby of somebody that's just been randomly calling you and stalking you for weeks? Like, Yeah, and then, I mean, I don't know because I don't know, you know, their situation, their relationship and how their personalities are, like, including Rachel, you know. But to then also, like, you know, just believe all those postcards and not really look into it at all and just kind of assume that that's what's happening. Also, I mean, but I'm sure that they go through that and feel those things too, like the guilt of it, which it's not their fault at all, but it's just an unfortunate situation. Yeah. Well, for all you people that go on blind dates, just be super, super careful, be aware, be cautious, have a, have a plan, have safety measures planned out. Yeah. Don't take your baby. Yeah. Don't take your, yeah. Don't take any of your children. Um, and like send a picture of the person and their name to like somebody that, you know, so at least like somebody knows who you were with the last time you were seen or whatever. Yep. Kay knows when she's on one of these dates and she's going with a young lad that I don't know. I'm like, okay, if I text you the security question. Yep. We got a code. Me. <laughs> we got a code. <laughs> Have a code with your friends. I got one with my daughter. Yeah. It's it's honestly like so smart to do because you just never know and it could honestly change everything. Yeah. Oh, well, sad story, low. But thank you for sharing and hopefully that it sparks something somewhere somewhere with somebody, you know. Yeah. We always hope. We always pray. Yeah. So we will be announcing the winner of the raffle next week yeah next episode we will be announcing who won so if you forgot to put a ticket in i'm very sorry it's too late but look out for our next uh giveaway when whenever we announce it um and you'll have a second chance don't forget to check out voyage michigan magazine yes for all of the local hard workers and a lot of interesting, creative people in there that do creative things. So shout out to all you people with your creative minds. Yes, definitely. And thank you to them for featuring us. And yeah, we will be back again next week with a brand new story coming at you. And until next time, stay creepy. We got to go. Bye. Bye.